I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, should a public park be open to everyone? In Palo Alto, one of the Bay Area's most scenic natural spaces is reserved for residents only. It's called Foothills Park. Reporter Michael Cabanatuan joins us to talk about the park and the ethics of exclusion. Right after this. In Palo Alto, one of the Bay Area's most scenic natural spaces is reserved for residents only. Reporter Michael Cabanatuan joins us to talk about the park and the ethics of exclusion. So, Mike, we're going to talk about an unusual story that we just ran about a park in the Bay Area that is only open to residents. Well, people probably won't be surprised to hear that it's in Palo Alto, a city that everybody seems to love to bash, especially these days. But it's something that's been going on for a while now. It's uh, Foothills Park, which is in the Palo Alto Hills, sort of high above 280, above the dish that you see as you're driving by, above the venture capitalists. And it's the only park in the Bay Area that, that doesn't allow people not from, from the city to come in, correct? Right. It's residents only. And while there is no official registry of such things, it appears to be the only Bay Area park, possibly the only California park that is residents only. I want to ask you about people's reaction to that. I want to ask you about the issue of, of, of limiting access to a park. But first, can we go back and, and tell people how this park formed, how it came about and how it became this way? Well, you know, it was back in 1958 or so. uh, The owner of the property, it was about 1,200 acres. He offered to sell it to the city of Palo Alto. Uh, The people in Palo Alto approached the neighboring, some of the neighboring communities and said, hey, will you help us out with this purchase? And the other communities said, "Uh, no, thank you. So Palo Alto said, well, we'll make this just a park for our residents only. Uh, Park opened in 1965, and it's basically been like that ever since. And this isn't any ordinary park, right? I mean, this is 1,400 acres, a lake, wildlife. Yeah, this is a spectacular park. I mean, it's high up in the hills. It has panoramic views and 1,400 acres. It has what I guess was originally an A-frame barn that's now, they call it an interpretive center, and it has some displays. It also has big leather chairs and a freestanding fireplace. It's gorgeous. Okay, so Palo Alto pays for this park, and they obviously remember that, and they remember other cities not, not wanting to join in. And then the legacy continues to this day. Why does it continue? Is it simply because of that early decision of cities not to not to join in and pay their share? You know, it seems like it. Um, there's been some debate about it on Twitter, and it really hasn't been debate as in reconsidering the issue. Um, it's just been more debate about why is this coming up now? Um, and really, they seem to think that uh, it's fine the way it is. It's worked fine since 1965. Why change it? We pay for it. We maintain it. It's clean. It's comfortable. There are only complaints every few years. And you went looking around to see if there were other parks that had this uh, this designation, right? I did. You know, I mean, of course, like everything else these days, I started by searching on the Internet and really couldn't find that. You can find some private parks, some parks that are in gated communities, things like that, but not public parks. And so I also called... Uh, a, I can't remember, a California Parks Association or something like that, a, a, an association for municipal 
parks, mostly city, county, and district parks in California. And the person there, their executive director, hadn't heard of any such thing. She was surprised by it. But a lot of people will be familiar with with cities that offer a discount to residents um, on a lot of stuff. Right. And that's fairly common. And I think the rationale behind that generally is not exclusion. I'm sure that could be argued, but it's if you're a resident of a city, you pay for that park. You pay for it to be purchased, built, maintained. And the idea is that you should get a discount. Other people can come and visit, can come and use it, can take programs in your rec department, but they pay a little more to sort of help maintain. Okay. Well, I, I, I love your lead on this story, and I want to read it. It said, the lush green hills, valleys, and oak groves of Palo Alto's 1,400-acre Foothills Park were populated with wildflowers, deer, and lawbreakers on a sunny day last week. Um, so, Mike, tell us about your visit out there. What was it like, and, um, and were there scofflaws out there that day? <laughs> Uh, it was a couple weeks ago now, but it was a beautiful, beautiful day. It was sunny, very few, few clouds in the sky, and there were a smattering of people. I believe it was on a Tuesday, and it was just gorgeous, wildflowers, green hills for now, and a lot of people dressed out for walks, sort of hiking around, people walking around the lake. I think it was still spring break for some schools, and so there were a group of little kids, maybe about 10 of them that were with their parents that were running around the lake, crossing the dam, screaming, having a good time. A couple people who were sort of clearly on their lunch breaks parked on an overlook looking out at the amazing panoramic view. You can see San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland, Mount Diablo, Stinson, or not Stinson, but uh, Mount Tam. And, you know, it was just incredible. So were they all residents? Uh, no. <laughs> In fact, I talked to probably 15, 20 people, and one of them was a resident. So how did they get in? On weekdays, generally, and probably at times when there aren't a whole lot of people, there's nobody at the gate. There's a big sign that says residents only, but there's not always anyone there enforcing it. So you mentioned the equity issues. What did people say when you talked to them out at the park? You know, really everyone, including, uh, you know, including the lone Palo Alto resident said, uh, you know, I really think they ought to let everybody in. So what's been the discussion on the city level? Are, are Palo Alto leaders looking into it? Uh, not really. Um, the reason this came up is there is a uh, former city councilman, uh, Corey Wolbach, I believe is his name. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. And he's been involved in a variety of discussions on Twitter about equity and about exclusionary laws primarily pertaining to housing. During one of those discussions, he tweeted something about, hey, did you know there's a park in Palo Alto that's available for residents only? And even though this has been going on since 1965 and it's been written about before, you know, a lot of people are unaware of it. I was unaware of it. Um, and so, you know, the the discussion began. And for you, how does that discussion, how does, you know, this one person tweeting about it make a story? Uh, you know, I think it's important to not just weigh in on issues when there is you know, when there is some open debate or governmental consideration of something. I mean, clearly over the past, what is that, uh, 45 years, 55 years, that nearly 55 years that this has 
been excluded. Uh, you know, things have changed. Uh, the way we look at equity, the way we look at access to parks, you know, that idea has changed, yet this policy as far as who can use Foothills Park hasn't changed. So if I want to go to this park, can I go, can I visit, and what will happen if I do? Uh, the answer is yes, you can go. And if you arrive on a Saturday or Sunday, probably a holiday, maybe some other times when it's busy, uh, you'll be asked to show ID. And if you go on their website, there is a list of IDs and uh, that are acceptable. And it almost looks like what the DMV requires in order for you to get a real ID license. Um, you know, you can't just show a... Uh, you know, student ID card from Stanford. In fact, Stanford students can't go because Stanford is unincorporated. It's not really in Palo Alto. Um, you have to prove not that you're just a business owner or a property taxpayer, but that you are an actual resident of the city of Palo Alto. And there are a couple of ways of doing that. Um, if you have that, you'll be allowed in. If you don't, you can be allowed in if you're with a resident. You might be able to beg somebody to uh, bring you in with them. Uh, three other ways you can get in. Um, there are hiking trails that start outside of the park that will take you in, uh, not from the main entrance, but from other nearby parks. Um, there are also some places where you can bike in, usually on trails as well. And you can also go often on weekdays when there's nobody at the front gate. And the day I was there, almost everyone came in doing that and knowing that, knowing that that was the way to get in. So have you had any reaction to the piece since you started reporting it? Um, I have. Most people are incredulous to find out that uh, that this exists and that it's legal. Um, and as far as I know, it's legal. Um, city of Palo Alto, the city council, has apparently looked at it three times in the past and has seemed to come to the decision of, well, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. We pay for this park. We maintain it. Uh, this is open space. It's not like a, you know, like a central city playground type of park. This is a park that has a couple of picnic areas, but is largely intended to preserve open space. They have a, a sort of accompanying city ordinance that limits access to a thousand people at a time. And they say, since we're limiting access, Palo Alto residents should have preference. So it doesn't sound like they're going to be changing it anytime soon. It doesn't look like it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Michael. Really fascinating piece. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thanks. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.